This is the Fox News Rundown Extra. I'm Dave Anthony. Today, a casualty of war returns to the war zone. It's a story of survival and recovery. You're about to hear from Benjamin Hall, our Fox correspondent, about his trip back to Ukraine more than a year and a half after he was nearly killed while reporting from there in an attack that did kill his two colleagues, Pierre Zakshevsky and Sasha Kushnova. You may recall we talked to Ben eight months ago about his book that tells the story of his survival. And more than 30 surgeries and a lot of rehab later, he is back on the job. And in November, he took a train ride back into Ukraine, meeting and interviewing President Volodymyr Zelensky about the war in Russia that shows no sign of stopping. And that is what most of my conversation with Ben is about. We talked too long to fit it all into the discussion, into the regular rundown, of course, that went out Thursday. So we are here letting you hear all of it on the extra. Oh, I should also mention, and my bosses would like this, that Ben has a brand new podcast. It debuts tomorrow titled Searching for Heroes with Benjamin Hall. You'll get new episodes every week. In fact, as you will soon hear... His rescue from Ukraine is the focus of the first episode. You can subscribe to it right now. You can, of course, subscribe to the Fox News Rundown. We hope you do. And if you have already, we thank you. And now here he is, Benjamin Hall on the Fox News Rundown Extra. Joining us again on the Fox News Rundown is Benjamin Hall, Fox News correspondent, who, of course, has had quite a remarkable year and a half of, uh, obviously, uh, the attack in Ukraine that left him badly injured and the long road to recovery. And that has led him back to Ukraine for the first time since all of that occurred and a chance to sit down with Ukraine's president. First of all, Benjamin, thanks very much for being back with us. Hey, what a pleasure, Dave. Thanks for having me on. It had to be quite emotional for you. You get on that train and you're riding back into that country after all that's gone on and happened to you. Yeah, it was. And um, it's interesting because I had wanted to do that from almost right after the attack itself. I knew that I wanted to go back. I knew that it was going to complete my recovery. And so that's what I felt as I was walking towards that one train that was taking me in. I felt all those feelings. And um, I wasn't sure how I would feel. And some people said, it. will, it, will you be nervous? Will you be afraid? And, and the truth is the opposite happened. I felt a real sense of strength. This whole idea that recovery is about a journey and it's about getting somewhere. And one of the places I want to get to was back to work, doing what I was doing before and sending the message that doesn't matter what you throw at me. It doesn't matter how injured I am. We're coming back. Journalism won't stop. And so on that train into Ukraine, that's exactly what I felt. I felt really proud to be there. And so uh, it was a great journey for me. And it's one that not only you know, served an emotional purpose, but it really served a journalistic purpose because I got to sit down and interview uh, President Zelensky as well. Yeah. And, and for you to be doing something where you're not asked, OK, how did it happen? What happened? How did you feel? And, and how are you doing now? You're you're actually doing work. You're going to Ukraine. And when you're there and you arrive and you see this now a year plus long war, what's different there, do you think, than when it started? 
Well, first of all, when I was there in March last year, the Russian forces were surrounding Kiev. You know, they were you know, tens of miles away, and we thought the country was going to fall. And the city itself was absolutely empty, absolutely bleak. Road um, checkpoints on every road. The army were out. Well, I would tell you now, in Kiev itself, life is back to normal. You know, the restaurants are open, uh, the economy is moving, and it's a wartime economy. But but that was a great feeling, and it was a reminder that Ukraine has pushed the Russian forces out to the east, and so that was optimistic. And, and President Zelensky said it as well. He said, "You've got to can't." forget the great success we had at the beginning of the war when the whole country was going to fall. That isn't happening. But the focus has to remain to the east. And that was one of his worries. He said, people think that the country is fine because the city of Kiev is alive again. But much of the country in the east is still fully at war, trench warfare. That's going on. So it was optimistic in some sense. But then it was a reminder that you know, there is still this big invasion happening uh, elsewhere in the country. Yeah, we've had a lot of focus over the last, you know, six months on a counteroffensive. You know, Ukraine was going to drive Russia back, take over a lot of land. That really hasn't gone the way people had thought or hoped, right? Yeah, and actually for one of the first times, President Zelensky to me said, yes, it, we have not done as well as we had wanted to do. It was not a great success. Um, many people saw that counteroffensive as a real opportunity to send a message that, the West, the U.S. needs to keep sending weapons because, look, they have a real positive impact. Well, they didn't. They haven't taken any land back, to be honest, not much at all. Um, so that's disappointing. But what President Zelensky switched to was, yes, we didn't take much land back. We acknowledge that. But we've had great successes in the Black Sea. We've pushed Putin's navy right back out of there. We've opened the grain corridor. So he was trying to say, yes, we were not so successful. There does appear to be a stalemate in that eastern part of the country. But there have been great successes elsewhere. And that's what we have to focus on as well. Now, it was a big sell on his part because the, tr the truth is they didn't make nearly as much progress as we hoped. But he's pointing out that the aid they are getting, the weapons, the money is helping. It is leading places and it is at least holding Russia back as well. We haven't talked about Ukraine all that much. The focus has been on Gaza. Israel, the war with Hamas, now the ceasefire, all these things, that's been a month and a half itself. Ukraine's on the back burner now. Mm -hmm. It was the first question I asked him as well. I said, look, you must acknowledge that the eyes of the world are looking to the Middle East. They're looking at Israel right now. He said, yes. He said, that does not help us. They are really afraid that that uh, funding is already heading to Israel. Um, many artillery shells that the U.S. was sending to Ukraine some of those have even gone to Israel. So you're seeing weapons and funding, which were going to Ukraine, now going to Israel. And one of the the thing, one of the thoughts is that you know, there are many countries, and you hear it in the US as well. There are people who think too much money, too much attention is going on Ukraine, that the Russians are held back in the East. They were perhaps looking for a reason to shift their focus elsewhere. And Zelensky is afraid that that's what's happening. Yeah. That they were trying to find a way to look elsewhere. And they have found it. And so he's really he was waving his arms and saying, don't forget us. And he also made a big connection saying what is happening in Ukraine, the attack that Hamas committed, that helps Russia in a big way. Russia supported Hamas. They have sent weapons to Hamas. So this is all part of the big power play. Yes, it's happening in Israel, but Russia knows that it's benefiting them in Ukraine as well. And so he was trying to draw connections between the two and saying we are in this battle right now between Russia, Iran, North Korea, you know, potentially China, and the other side. And you mustn't drop the ball in Ukraine because that opens up a whole lot of other problems too. Uh, this 
Is it? This could go on for years. Oh, and I think they are. They expect it to go on for years, and so does the U.S. and so do some of the European countries as well. That is the great fear right now. They are embedded in trench warfare. It's exactly the same kind of warfare that we've seen since 2014 in Ukraine. Remember, there has been a war going on for the last nine years, and basically, we are back at a position now where the same is going to continue happening. And President Putin has always liked the idea of a longer war. It allows him now. Once he failed to capture Kiev at the beginning, it gives him time to just rebuild his military slowly, get hundreds of thousands more troops. He's in no rush, whether it harms Ukraine, because during a long war, as is already happening, the weapons, the money, the eyes of the world go elsewhere. So right now, yes, President Putin does not mind a longer war at all. He's probably pushing for it. Yeah, but at the same time, how how is Russia going to afford it? They've lost a lot more of their soldiers than they ever expected to. How does they, how do, yeah. how do they, is it, I mean, China and North Korea can help only so much. Yeah, I look, I mean, it, it's another question as well. I don't think that Russia is going to be short of, um, of soldiers. Um, they still have, you know, hundreds of thousands that they can continue to call up. At what point calling up soldiers starts to affect him domestically is a big open question. How much can he get away with before people start to rise up? But there isn't much internal, um, you know, pushback against him. And he can probably go quite far. You know, there are, they're, they're paying decent salaries. They're still using prisoners. And so, you know, economically, Russia isn't doing too badly. You know, they're actually, the sanctions haven't done all that much. They're still sending and selling a lot of oil and gas to China and to India and other countries. And that, the prices of those have risen a fair amount more. So one of the things Zelensky was saying, too, is the sanctions aren't working. You need uh, secondary sanctions. You need to crack down on that because, frankly, economically, Russia is handling it. It's shifted into a wartime economy as well. And that's not a real fear for them at the moment. You know, for a, quite a long time, President Zelensky was lauded around the world for his tough fight. Standing up, he was in public, you know, in the middle. He didn't hide in a bunker anywhere. He was always out there. Is he still popular in Ukraine? He is. Yeah, he absolutely is. And I know there's been um, a lot of talk about uh, elections which were cancelled. They were supposed to be coming up, I believe, next year. Um, so some people are saying, well, look, he's taken away the elections. Um, do, does everyone want him in, in, in place? I asked him about that as well. And he said, look, the elections are illegal during war. To get millions of people to vote is going to be almost impossible. The Russians will have an impact on it that it's just not feasible right now. But he was open for it. Um, uh, there was a bit of pushback about corruption in the country. And he addressed that as well. They've recently gotten rid of a lot of sort of uh, deputy secretaries of defense, uh, even their secretary of defense and some people under him who were paying double the price for uniforms. They were paying extra and they were pocketing the difference. So there has been a corruption issue, which did hurt Zelensky and the people around him. But he's just in the last month, he's really tried to put a stop to that to try and continue losing support on that front. But no, he is a wartime leader and Ukrainians still look up to him and know that he could have run away at the beginning, as many people in the West were saying he should do, and he didn't. And he is inside that palace every single day with the windows blacked out, with the lights are off to save electricity, with sandbags in every corridor. And you walk in there and you realize that he's been living in this wartime palace, but it's almost like a prison. Um, because he is a wartime leader, the Ukrainians respect that and they respect what he's doing. But, you know, it's uh, the questions will, will come up, I think, All right, now, in the uh, next few years. Uh, obviously, I have to, because uh, 
I, I don't want to embarrass you, but obviously um, President Zelensky, when you were with him, he awarded you with what is called the Order of Merit. Here it is. Days, weeks, and months of a difficult period for Ukraine, but very strong period. Thank you for, you, for your Thank big you. support. But I think we just hope that there's a real purpose for Germans. Yeah. So people around the world know what's happening here. And that may come with some injuries and some danger, but that's why we do it, because we know how important it is. So, you know, thank you very much. Appreciate it. That had to be a proud moment for you, Benjamin. It was. And, um, you know, I, I honestly think that this is not, it's not about what I did. This is a reminder that journalism is important. And it's a reminder, of course, of Pierre and Sasha. You know, Pierre and Sasha both died that day. And they risked their lives to tell stories about what was happening there. And I believe firmly that journalism changes the world. It opens people's eyes. It helps us make the world a better place and it holds people to account. And that's what we were doing out there. So, you know, President Zelensky awarded me this, uh, this these medals and, and I'm very honored. But I, he was awarding the whole my whole team. He was awarding all the journalists out there. And, and I think it should be a message that we won't stop reporting the news because of the dangers. We can't do that. We have to keep doing it. So very honored, of course, but um, it, you know, it was for all of us. And you were honored with the Kenneth Y. Tomlinson Award for Courageous Journalism at the Metropolitan Club in New York earlier this month. And I thought it was interesting you brought up Evan Gershkovich. He's the Wall Street Journal reporter who's currently in jail in Russia. Yeah, I mean, you know, like... Just like myself, he has been injured, um, in in a sense, by the Russians um, because he was out there reporting. And there has not been a more firmer case of a country grabbing a journalist out of, for no reason, but just to hold him as yeah. hostage. And that's a exactly spy, right? That they say he's a spy. Calling him, calling him a spy. And, um, you know, I think of him all the time. He's sitting in a, in a, in a prison cell in Russia. The big moves to try and do an exchange to get him out. And hopefully we will see that in the new year. But... Um, it's just a message that, you know, journalists are being attacked and we mustn't let it affect what we do. Two more things. One, how are you doing in your recovery? Well, I'm, I'm doing very, very well. Um, I think what you learn is uh, you learn a new schedule. You know, I can, I can know how far I can walk. I can walk for maybe 40 minutes at a time. And so I build my day around what I can and can't do. I walk at these periods and I have a little rest. And, and then you just develop a new schedule for life. So that's how I plan my day. And it means that life feels as normal as ever. I'm surrounded by my family. I'm back at home. I'm working again. And I couldn't have asked for anything more than that if you asked me a year ago. So honestly, I've never been happy. I'm, I feel I'm moving on from the rehab and the recovery as well, which I find, frankly, a bit boring to get a physio every day. So bring it on. You know, I'm back at work and doing the job I love. Yeah, and and we're honored to have you joining our ever-expanding podcast group here at Fox. You have the Searching for Heroes with Benjamin Hall podcast. It launches, it goes out on Monday. Congratulations, and what's the focus, especially for uh, the first episode? Uh, well, it's been an absolute honor to do this. And, you know, my whole career has been about telling stories and traveling the world and meeting incredible people. And I just think that... Those are stories that our listeners need to need to hear more often. And my life was saved by people who risked their own lives to come and get me. Real heroes, the, both the, the veterans who came in, but also the U.S. military, military doctors. And I was absolutely amazed at the power of the good and the heroes and how it changes community and brings people together. And that's what the podcast is about. It is going out and searching for heroes, often in you know the normal walk of life. 
who have done amazing things, gone through something really difficult, but have found a way to pull it together and gone and help, gone on to help other people. So that's what the podcast is about. It's one that is inspirational. It reminds us all that no matter what you go through, you can come out of it stronger. And you asked about the first episode. It will be about myself. I'll be talking, you know, in depth about what it was like for me to go through that journey uh, from the very bottoms and the hardest period at the beginning when I thought I wasn't going to live right on through you know, to the other side and how that journey happened and what I want to pass on. So uh, I'm really honored to be doing it. And like I work in TV usually and I get a few minutes to talk to guests. Suddenly I have much longer than that. And oh, I can yeah. tell you what, in like half an hour, you can really delve into people. What drives them? Why do they do these things? Why are they heroes? And what does that effect happen? And I've really enjoyed making it. And I hope, I hope everyone really enjoys listening to it too. Well, I look forward to it. And it's called Searching for Heroes with Benjamin Hall. It will launch, uh, come out on... Uh, Monday the 4th, and then it's going to be weekly uh, after that. So uh, we very much look forward to that here on the Fox News Podcast Network. Benjamin Hall, Fox News correspondent, back at work, back from Ukraine, going back. It was great to hear from you, and thanks so much for joining us. Hey, Dave. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table, the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts.